Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. All righty. Hello, Madigan. How are you doing today? Hello, Keegan. I'm actually in a really good mood today. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I have. I'm not going to say what it is over the podcast, but I kind of came to a realization this morning and I immediately just kind of took steps toward that goal and it felt really good and it feels very empowering and it feels like I'm doing something and not just staying stagnant and I'm super excited about it. That's awesome. Dude, I love days like that. That's amazing. Well, today I'm doing that workout challenge and today was an active rest day for me. So that's always a good day. (laughs) It is a good day. I didn't have to get up and like sweat my ass off all day um, this morning. So I'm feeling great. I made some avocado toast today. Life is good. Yummy. I love it. I'm about to have a very delicious meal with my boyfriend when this long night of recording is over. So I guess that's kind of the cherry on top of my like really good day. So very exciting. Yeah, I'm in a surprisingly wonderful mood. I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm I think I'm about to get my period, so I wonder if I'm, like, on a high before I, like, hit it's, a PMS low. Yeah, the high before the low is for real. Like, honestly, I can't wait till I get back on birth control that just takes that shit away because I am so sick of, like, half of my life being dictated by <laughs> Yeah. Oh, most of my thing. life is dictated by, like, counting down how long it's going to be until I get it. And so it's like, okay, like, this week I think I'm going to get it at some point. So I'm like, okay, what can I wear? What underwear can I wear? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, What's going to be the most comfortable just in case, you know? With periods, it's basically like I have one week where I'm walking on sunshine, and then the week before it, start things start setting in. And then yeah. the week during is terrible. And then the week after, you're kind of, like, decompressing. So I've got, like, yeah. one week a month where I'm just like a normal human being, you know? Being uh, being a woman with these hormones is hard, you know? <laughs> like, it is hard. I really feel like men don't understand. I have a creeping suspicion that maybe they don't understand. Yes. Just Probably saying. don't. Although, Hot take. I did learn, I think I learned this in college, but I think I also learned this in high school, but I remember learning at some point that like men have hormonal cycles as well I heard that too yeah so there are times where like more of one hormone is taking over than the other so like men will go through like moodiness and like but you know what I have to say I would take that I would take all of the PMS stuff even the bloating which is the worst I would take all of it if it meant I didn't have cramps and the uncomfortability of like actually being on your period. Yeah. Well, and for me, like this is so off topic from today, but like I it's just so heavy that I can't live a carefree week. Like, oh, the yes. whole And my period lasts a whole seven days. And that shit doesn't fuck around the entire seven days. It is nonstop. Dude, bleeding. I <laughs> I bled through my shorts the last time I had my period straight Almost up. Every time I've done it at work where I have like 
nothing with me. It's, oh, it's the worst. I hate it. Terrible. Terrible. Well, anyway, let's jump Should into, we get the news into it because we actually have a few things. Uh, the things that I have to talk about today, I know we're going to have a lot to say about, and I know that you have a lot to say as well. So, in the interest of time, let's jump in. Do you want to start us off? Yes, I will. So, there was a police shooting. I believe it was at the end of last week. Of course, that's like the one thing I don't write down was when the actual uh, shooting occurred. But it happened in Los Angeles. There was this man that was caught on video surveillance who, well, I assume it was a man who ran up to the, uh, to a squad car and shot just kind of aimlessly into the car. Luckily, the two LAPD deputies were not killed. Um, But it has kind of caused some unrest. Uh, And there's been some issues with how these stories are being reported. So reporters are already pushing police narratives about why the shooting happened. And that's kind of been like the main priority of all of this is like, why? Why did it happen? But they're not really checking any like resources or verifying their stories. So there was a tweet that went out by the LAPD saying that protesters were blocking a hospital entrance and shouting that they hope that the cops die. And this was repeated on MSNBC, which is like a very substantial news source. Um, However, the protest when the video came out later was actually just four guys hovering around the emergency entrance shouting abusive language. So while not good, it wasn't a protest. It was four people who were very upset. It wasn't the way that the police made it sound. And to me, I feel like it's super excessive to send out a tweet asking people to stop blocking the hospital entrance when it's four people. It's because they want to control the narrative. They want right. to portray protesters as largely violent, even though exactly. I was reading something today that said, I think it was, and I might not have the exact percentages right, but it was something like 92, 93% of Black Lives Matter protests this year have been entirely peaceful protests. So right. well, that's because the truth. There's been, uh, think about the volume of protests that were happening all over the world. The ones that we heard about with the looting was really very Very few small percentage. To, yeah, compared to how many were going on at all times all over mm-hmm. the world. You know, it was such a huge thing. So during this event, one of the police officers was arresting one of the men uh, when NPR radio reporter Josie Huang stepped forward to get a better look. Police then tackled and injured her, saying she didn't identify herself as press and refused to leave the scene. So, okay, the- I would love to see video footage of what actually happened there. Because there I is. fully, okay, I don't there believe is. them so, literally at all. But to make it even worse, also other very substantial news sites and stations started reporting this police's narrative as well, that this reporter wouldn't get out of the way and didn't identify themselves. So Josie Huang released her own video, which shows her backing up when told to do so, and she identifies herself as a reporter, even as the cops throw her to the ground. So it's complete bullshit. There's video proof. Yeah, but it's so frustrating because... It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter that there's video proof because it's a race to get the story out first, first of all. And then secondly, if you present a narrative that fits these people's worldview, that is being reported on and published in um, accredited news sources, they're going to choose the narrative 
Yes. That fits their worldview, whether or not that's really what happened. The damage is done. Like, right. that's the thing is it's like the damage is done. Like, it's. Yeah, well, it gets it gets more frustrating. So L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva, who was actually from the office that did the original tweet about the hospital protest, uh, he made a statement about the shooting where he said, This is just a somber reminder that this is a dangerous job and actions and words have consequences. Our job does not get any easier because people don't like law enforcement. So with this, he's being super divisive. He's trying to draw this line as these actions and words of the protesters being the reason that these police officers were shot at. And it's just it's it's feeding into this narrative that is so dangerous and it's so upsetting we wouldn't be at this point like you have to look at everything that led up to this point like nothing exists in a vacuum well also i want to say i want to say we do not know the shooter's intent like none of that has been confirmed absolutely so this all of this is speculation but what the police are saying is incredibly obvious for what they're implying whether or not that was the intent of the shooter even if the intent of the shooter was this is some kind of like disillusioned um you know militant killing or something right or someone who really hates police maybe it did come out of that kind of belief there will always be people who look at a movement like black lives matter and apply their own shit to it like that will always happen however well, yeah, they'll you they'll use it as like a reason or a cover-up for their own right, crimes and sure things like that. yeah i mean there's like, so there's so many reasons regardless even if that was the reason you have to look at how things escalated to this point nothing exists in a vacuum it's not it's not as if this person was just radicalized out of fucking nowhere yeah even if he was you know quote unquote radicalized by their view it doesn't i guess what i'm trying to get at is that like it doesn't really matter because we shouldn't even be at this point. Right. Like, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't get to the point where we should be figuring out if this violence is in retaliation because of the extreme violence of the police. For instance, I was watching a documentary, an HBO documentary with Anthony yesterday called, I think, A Dangerous Son or something like that. And it's a documentary about boys who have violent um, behavioral issues uh, or mental illness and how that can escalate into people who go on to be school shooters or whatever and it's following these families. And wow, they that have, sounds like something I need to watch. It's very intense, but it was good. Um, they have one black boy on there that they're following who's having a lot of behavioral problems. And, of course, he is the one who doesn't have the... His parent, his mom, doesn't have, like, the financial means to do the things that they need to do to get him right. into, like... And and they're in Los Angeles. It's the one right. who's in Los well, Angeles. And that's and- the thing is that like you have to realize that when we talk about mental health that for those that don't have the money and health insurance they don't have any re- any way to really get help. Like they're especially in Los Angeles being such a large city. I've looked into getting th- free therapy and I would have to go all the way to like Brentwood. I'd have to right. drive it's, like it's almost, almost an hour. Impossible. But yeah. I mean the reason why I'm telling this story is because the mom is talking about how, like, they ask the boy, they're like, do you miss your dad? And he's like, yeah, I miss my dad. And then the mom tells a story. This this documentary was in, like, 2018, and this boy's dad is not around because he was mistaken for a suspect 
in like earlier when the boy was very, very young, hmm. uh, mistaken for a suspect, didn't have his belt on, went to pull his pants up <gasps> and they shot him to death. So you're kidding. No, this is. And of course, it's the one black family. And they have this story to tell. Well, that um, was the first thing I was going to say. You were like, they had this one black boy that they followed. It's like, oh, right. they had one. Awesome. Because as soon as you said that, in my head, I'm like, okay, well, then there are going to be other families that maybe have more resources yes. that are available that's going to show a completely different side than... Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, there absolutely. needs to be more diversity in that. But the, the point is that, like, this is an issue that is so prevalent that it pops up time and time again and has done for years and years now. So these things don't exist in a vacuum. If people are trying to retaliate against the police, look at the context. Look at how we got here. Is all I'm saying. Everybody, like, this police chief and all these people, and listen, I have empathy for these people. I, of I really they're do. Human, like, they're human beings. They're human beings with families. I'm not sitting here at all trying to say that I want there to be any kind of targeted attack against police officers. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying if you shift the narrative to just say, well, this is such a dangerous job and it's just being made more dangerous because you people keep doing this stuff. And it's like, right. well, how did we get here? Maybe stop and examine how we got here and exactly. try and find a solution so that people don't feel so angry and disillusioned that they go out and do this stuff in the first place. Right, exactly. Because there does come a time where, you know, especially for certain types of people, I feel that enough is enough. You know, for those people that are already inclined to maybe have some violent behaviors and things like that. And when if they feel like the nothing's is, being done. Yeah, where they're they're going to snap. You know what I mean? It's right. not, I'm not saying it's right. But, you know, you're right. You do have to look and examine why we have that problem to begin with. Right. Why do, like, why do people dislike law enforcement? If we you know want what I mean? to keep everyone alive and we want things to be peaceful, then we all need to take a step back and start looking at solutions. That's all I'm saying is like we can't just keep this like they can't just keep pointing the finger and expecting things to change because that's not what's going to change things it's just not yeah um exactly. okay so i want to talk about something that is really really horrifying uh so this week on monday there was a uh, ice whistleblower she's a nurse her name is Don Wooten. She worked at the center at a center in Georgia that houses immigrants detained by immigration and ICE. And she came forward on Monday with a complaint expressing concerns about a high number of hysterectomies performed on Spanish-speaking women at the center. So yeah. she said that detained women told her that they did not fully understand why they were getting a hysterectomy because they don't, you know, speak English well. And it yeah. also just was not conveyed to them well. So the detainees at the center, they call this doctor, the doctor who performs the hysterectomies, they call yeah. him the uterus collector. That is the term that they use for this man at Ugh. the, or I'm assuming it's a man, maybe I shouldn't do that, but this person at the, um, facility that so, sounds like the nickname for a serial killer it's horrifying it's it really, absolutely horrifying this story I, I i feel really i don't know I, I i don't feel hopeless but i i don't bring these things up as much anymore because i've realized how deeply rooted people are in their side because 
I feel like I was spending so much of my time pointing to things like this and being like, look at how bad this is. Look at how bad this is. And people still don't care. And it's it's shocking to me because for a country that sits here, I mean, I grew up in an America that hated Nazis, that were like, yeah. they're the worst of the worst, Dr. Mengele, all that stuff. And we are a country who's doing things like this. And mm-hmm. people don't care. It's, it's wild to me. So um, Don Wooten said that there is also jarring, quote, jarring medical neglect in the midst of this pandemic, which includes the refusal to rest um, detainees with symptoms. And also they are they have been fabricating medical records. So she was even told not to tell officers who dealt with the detainees that some of them had symptoms, which put the officers at risk, of course, because they're having to interact with these people. So she herself, she's also a black woman, I should say. um, She has sickle cell anemia, which makes her specifically susceptible to this virus. So when she started displaying symptoms, she took a leave of absence from work because obviously you would. Her doctor actually told her, like, if you contract the virus, there is a high probability that you will die because of the combination of corona and sickle cell anemia. Of course. And so when she left and took a leave of absence, she was let go from her job. And she is a single mother to five children. So she described how one woman she spoke to told her how much she had wanted children and that when she got out of the facility, she would have to then go home and tell her husband that they would not be able to have children. And she also said that this woman um, was not all the way out under anesthesia during the operation. So it's monstrous. Like this is That is absolute torture it elicits such a strong emotional response to me it's absolute torture and the way that you know a lot of people in this country can't see what's happening at our borders as the same as these you know as the nazi extermination camps as you know a genocide is so mind-boggling to me it's tragic to me it it really makes me feel hopeless the way that I see people justify these things like as a regardless of your politics as a human being who has empathy for another human being how can you look at this and say that's okay or try and find a way to justify it how can you do because if this was someone that you loved you would have a very different response. If this was someone you knew and they went and had a surgery done and the doctor snuck in and did a hysterectomy, you'd be fucking pissed. So the fact that this is happening in like a vast number should make you that much more angry. But the thing is, I almost feel like when it becomes that big, people push it away. Like it's too big of a problem to deal with. It feels like, like you said, it's hopeless. don't want to deal with the idea that we are that country. That we are the bad guys. In this situation, we are the bad guys. And you just need, as a human being with empathy, as a person who studied the Holocaust in school and looked at it and said, wow, that's terrible. How can you look at this and be like, and find excuses and be like, you know what, it's okay. Right. And the proper thing to do would be to immediately demand change. Like if that's something that you're seeing, like the thing is, is that it's almost like, oh, well, 
you know, that's what's happening. But it doesn't seem like there's this demand for change from a large number of people. And that's the reason why nothing's happening. That's why we feel so defeated, because it doesn't matter how much information is coming out. Uh, people keep finding being excuses. Done about it. People yeah. just don't care. And it's- or you know, and also there, uh, it's becoming more and more obvious to me how much the right doesn't, uh, you know, consume any other news besides Fox News. Of like course. I've always known this, but it's just become more and more painfully obvious to me. Like I just don't think that it's being reported the same way. That's why uh, I just think not. these people aren't even hearing of these things because why would they? Why would and Fox News is- push that? If it is from personal experience of having to deal with people in my life who are right wing, like super right wing, right wing, um, right wing people, um, they'll look at something like this and they will jump automatically to conspiracy and that it's not true or whatever. Or that it's actually the Democrats. It's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. But um, so Don Wooten, I saw her in a press conference where she gave the following statement. She said, quote, I became a whistleblower. Now I'm a target, but I'll take a target any day to do what's right and just. I've already seen so so many great pieces of like art on Instagram with that quote and stuff. It's so great. I love that she's amazing. Yeah. I love that there's a quote like that that's getting the attention of people that at least makes me feel hopeful. Yes, she worked for ICE, but she's a Again, I, I think I've referenced it on this podcast before, but I read an article kind of talking about people who work for ICE and how they end up in this situation where they feel like they can't escape it. And Interesting. Um, it's very interesting. I'll try and find it, and then maybe we can talk about it. Uh, oh, I bet the psychology the of working there is bonkers. Because most people know that what they're doing is like, there of course are people who work for ICE who are just fucking evil sociopaths, but of there course. are also people who like got roped in because they go, it's predatory, they go into these very like low income areas, and they offer these people, single mother of five, jobs with great government benefits and that pay oh, them exactly. well it's, more than they could make anywhere else. It's an, it's enticing. And that's the thing is that sometimes if you are really struggling, it's one of those things where it's like, do I put the lives of my family below the lives of, you know, right. these it's, innocent so it's, people? It's hard. It's hard. Um, but so the Government Accountability Project, along with Project South, filed a civil complaint on behalf of Don Wooten to the Department of Homeland Security And um, also, her claims are not the first of their kind. There have been previous claims made back in 2019 that at least five women received hysterectomies while at ICE detention centers. So this is not new. Um, ICE released a statement that they would be investigating these claims. But in that same statement, they said that these claims were unverified and needed to be viewed with the proper amount of skepticism. So fuck them, kind of. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't expect ICE to say anything. Other but they can't than that. take. Yeah, they, they, they can't don't responsi- want to take any responsibility for yeah, this. Of course, totally. So, I want to talk a little bit about MMA fighter and actress Gina Carano, who you would know from shows like The Mandalorian or movies like Deadpool. So she's come under fire lately. Uh, for a number of reasons, for some tweets that she's been putting out. Uh, The first thing was in August where she tweeted a photo that's actually quite a famous photo um, of a group of Nazis that are all giving the, you know, Sig Heil salute, but there's like one man in the crowd that isn't. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, 
this to the people that followed her seemed like a very bizarre thing to be posting, even though it is talk, you know, it's pointing out the one man that did something differently. Uh, people had a very uh, big issue that even sharing an image of, of Nazis right now was just inappropriate and that that particular image was tone deaf. And I don't really know how I feel on that, I don't really know enough about the photo and the history of it to... I think I would need to know the context because just someone posting a photo like that, typically it's posted as like, even if everyone around you is a fucking fascist, you don't right. have to be. But right. did she post it with some kind of caption that made well, people think otherwise? This is the thing. She gets very defensive. So she had people kind of coming at her and she immediately started kind of pulling the bullying card and uh, doesn't really listen to anybody. Like people would try to say, hey, this is why it's upsetting to people. And she would just kind of be like, fuck you, you know, like not really. She didn't say fuck you. But, you know, she just was lashing out at people instead of just accepting, you know, what people are saying and moving forward and things like that. But uh, on August 5th, hashtag Gina... Carano is over party began trending on Twitter and Twitter users recalled that she had shared some anti-mask memes and retweeted content from alt-right people. That's probably why people were upset because in that context, then it makes it sound like, hey, if everyone around you is wearing a mask, you can be the odd person out. Like that's what it sounds like she's trying to say. Exactly. So, but that's the thing is I didn't see any like quotes or tweets or photos or anything in this so I, I I can't substantiate those claims I don't know if that's true or not but going forward it, it wouldn't surprise me so in September she urged churches and businesses to reopen amid the pandemic saying the coronavirus doesn't quote know the difference between a protest or praise and worship so of course hundreds of people came in being like there have been hundreds of cases linked to religious facilities and very few related to the protests. Right, because you're inside without a mask at church. Yeah, exactly. And you're very close to people and you're singing and you're speaking. Like it's all, there's spit everywhere. It's just not a good environment. So most recently, instead of, like, you know, on Instagram, in solidarity, even people who are not transgender will put their pronouns in their bios. Right. So yeah. like she would put she, her, hers. Uh, she wrote beep, bop, boop. So then. Okay, so she's just an asshole. Like that's the thing is like if you, for whatever reason, you don't want to put your pronouns in your bio, fine, whatever. Why do you need to make it a joke? Right. Like, what's wrong with you so, that you need to like go out of your way to make a joke out of this thing that doesn't fucking affect you at exactly. all. Exactly. Like, so when people start coming at her, she is like just DMing back, like or not DMing, but she's like retweeting like crazy about how it's abuse and bullying and how, you know, she shouldn't be put up to all of this. Hi, sorry, did, you have a public platform. This goes with the fucking territory, exactly. ma'am. She does, however, say that she spoke with her co-star, who is a Latino man named Pedro Pascal, who had to educate her. So I'm like, okay, so you're going to call. I'm like, why are you are an you adult calling? woman who exists on the internet? You can educate yourself. Right. Like, that's I'm like, the shit that annoys me, man. It just drives me absolutely crazy. So 
with doing that, she's just completely resisted coming out in support of the trans community with an apology. Like if she were to just come forward and be like, hey, I messed up. I'm educated now. I understand. But she does say she's like, oh, yeah, you know, Pedro educated me. But still, like, everybody needs to stop bullying me. Shut up. She even says that they need to find less abusive representation. Shut up, dude, because what you're doing is oppressive and abusive. Yeah. You don't get to tell people. I saw a meme a while back or a tweet. It was a tweet uh, that I saved. I never posted it, but I saved it where it said, like, you don't police someone who's yelling that their house is on fire. Right. So why are you policing the tone of people who are are being hurt? Be yeah. mindful of telling people how they should or shouldn't respond to their own oppression like it's so wild to me that you're like I have it's you're oppressing me because I have the right to hurt your feelings exactly and she goes even further so she goes to say that her bio had quote zero to do with mocking trans people okay what was it for rather she was exposing a bullying mentality of the mob that has taken over the voices of many genuine causes she ends the tweet with saying boop you for misunderstanding with a video of R2D2 beeping. No, you were you were trying to incite people. Like yeah. there, there, what other reason would you have to do that? Like you were literally trying to get a rise out of people mm-hmm. and then you when you got dick. the rise, when you got the rise that you were seeking, then you said how dare how dare you get mad at me when yeah. you were aiming to make people mad. That's what you were trying to do. Yeah. Like exactly. It's, it's so frustrating to me like whatever. I I'm really done with these people. J.K. Rowling did another dumb thing. I'm, I'm wearing my Harry Potter shirt right now, and it's it's so frustrating to me because I'm just like, something that was such a big part of my childhood. We did a whole episode on J.K. Rowling. We don't need to go into it right now. But it's just like these people. Uh, okay, anyway, it's not important. I have one more thing I want to talk about, and we've just hit our 30-minute mark, so let's just... <laughs> Whatever. Let's just do it and move on. Um, Okay, so Louisville is going to pay millions Ugh. of dollars to the mother of Breonna Taylor. So the city of Louisville uh, will pay several million dollars. I don't know if the actual number of the settlement has come out. When I read this article, it had not come out yet, uh, to the mother of Breonna Taylor. And they are planning on re- installing police reforms as part of a settlement of a lawsuit from Taylor's family. <laughs> okay, mm. so the settlement would be the largest paid sum in the why not, um, why not just fucking arrest the cops? Thank you so a, much. That's a hell exactly of a lot what fucking cheaper to me. That's what I said. The settlement would be the largest sum paid by the city for a police misconduct case. Um, <laughs> but I believe, first of all, that these settlements come out of taxpayer money. Yeah. So they are not paying this giant settlement. The people of Louisville are paying this giant settlement. So there's that. And also I wrote, why the fuck aren't the cops who killed her arrested and why has only one been fired? Yeah. What the fuck? Doesn't that seem like a such simpler response to this than taking all this taxpayer money Causing all this unrest. Just arrest the fucking cops. In general, first of all, like, there should be both. Like, there should be a settlement by the state. Because the state, a government entity, 
killed a civilian for no reason. So there should be a settlement. That's fine. But the fact that, first of all, that settlement is coming out of taxpayer money. And secondly, everyone has been screaming for fucking ever for justice to be done. This isn't justice. You are placating us. You're placating the family by throwing money at the problem when that's not the issue. And the settlement is going to include reforms on how warrants are handled by police. But that shit, first of all, should have been already dealt with. Like that stuff should have been dealt with already. And also my fear with things like this is that they're going to do what, for instance, the city of Los Angeles has already done and been doing for years, which is allocate more money to police departments specifically to handle settlements. So Mm -hmm. Los Angeles has um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the police budget allocated specifically to throw at settlements. Mm. So we're going to so the solution is going to be give more money? Yeah. To police departments like that's going to be the solution. It's essentially. Yeah, it, it doesn't really make any sense at all. I mean, I'm happy that the family is getting this. Like I am. Of course. I am. But there like, needs to be there needs to be more. It just seems very empty. It you does know? and Brianna Taylor's case frustrates me so much because it's just like every person and look the Vanity Fair cover was beautiful there have been a ton of like documentaries and things like that and wonderful that we've been able to raise this kind of awareness and pay tribute to this woman in this way however there is a very cynical part of me that just feels like we are commodifying this woman's death yeah we are capitalism has stepped in and we are now I saw a thing that was like someone took glass from um whatever charlotte charleston charleston they took glass from a protest they made jewelry which is super fucking expensive it's like a hundred dollars for like a necklace or whatever from this glass and each piece of jewelry for instance they have a the elijah the brianna the tamir and i'm like are you fucking kidding if anything happens to any of my relatives and you try and fucking make money off of that shit yeah fuck that i will lose my mind yeah that's (laughs) shitty yeah i mean and that's the thing is that if you're gonna be making jewelry or making art of any kind all that money better all that money better go yeah it better be donated all all of it yeah Every penny. You cannot use somebody's name like that and keep the money for yourself. It's it's absolutely disgusting. I couldn't agree yeah. more. Oh, well, another very upsetting mini episode, unfortunately. I mean, everything in the news is just a dystopian nightmare. Everything so. is bad. And you know what? We've been having so many people reach out to us and giving us things that they want us to discuss. And it's like... Hard to keep up, man. It's it's one of those things. If we get a message on Monday by Thursday, everything's different. It's insane. So thank you so much for listening to another episode. If you do want to write into us, you can go ahead and do so at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. You can get us on Facebook. We have a business and group page. On the business page, you can rate and review us. And on the group page, you can chat with the other listeners. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. 
And, oh, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts as well. When you do, we will feature you on Reviews Day Tuesday on Instagram. And lastly, if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen. It helps us out just a little bit. And. Yes. I am going to be gone for the month of October. So for yes. the full length episode, we will bring this up at the top of the episode because I'm sure that people kind of turn things off when the spiel starts. E- I have a feeling. Spieling. Um, but if you are still listening, just know that I am going to be out of town for the entire month of October. I am actually working with a um, Black Lives Matter group uh, that I'm going to be de- devoting a lot of my attention to over the next month. Uh, so... I will be absent for the month of October. I know that Madigan has some exciting things in the works. Uh, so you will still be getting content during that time. You'll but I just still get to me. <laughs> let you know. Yes, exactly. I'm trying to figure out, especially I just realized it's October. So I'm like, all right, I might need to adjust some stuff a little bit. I might make it a little spookier, you know? Ooh. Let's see. Stay tuned. Find out. All right. Thank you so much for listening. That's all we have for you today. With all of that being said, we encourage you to to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.